Reimagine your life by becoming an RN at Duke Health, a recognized health system in North Carolina's area known as the Triangle, home to award-winning restaurants, beautiful scenic spaces, and an eclectic art and music scene. You'll have plenty to enjoy in the area and cities beyond. What's more, you'll have a career filled with purpose and opportunity, matched by benefits that best support your wellness, family, and future, offering sign-on bonuses and relocation. Apply today at DukeNursing.org. Listen up, dog owners. It's for you, all you canine lovers. It's your favorite podcast, The Big Bark, with your host, Dara Burke, and canine co hosts, Bruno and Millie. The Big Bark. Hello, and a very big welcome to The Big Bark, the show that brings you the latest news from the canine world. I'm your host, Dara Burke. And I'm joined, as always, by my two amazing canine co-hosts, Bruno and Millie, who are just kind of floating around the studio here somewhere. Uh, Millie had a ball there a while ago, so I'd say she's happy, fecking enough with her, anyway. Now, we had a huge, and I mean massive, response to our episode last week. And so many people, after hearing that episode, are really looking forward to the Pups in the Park event at Mallard at Hyde Castle that we were talking about all last week and that is happening on the Maybank holiday weekend so Saturday April 31st and Sunday May 1st uh, so that's the dates that's happening and don't forget we're running our competition to win tickets for you and three of your friends over on our Instagram, the tickets are valid for the Sunday, so Sunday May the 1st, so that would be a nice little treat if you got four tickets for that, wouldn't it? And all the information for the competition is up on our Instagram, and the closing date for entry is next Friday, the 15th of April. Winners will be announced on Sunday the 17th of April. Uh, that is Easter Sunday, so we're giving you a nice little... Uh, present there for Easter. It's not an Easter egg because you know like chocolate and all being bad for doggies. Uh, okay and the next thing I suppose to remind you that Big Back will be recording live on Sunday the 1st of May from the event itself. So that's why we're giving away the tickets for that day because we're recording live ourselves there. And sure whoever wins the tickets do be sure to, if you see us floating around. Not sure Bruno and Millie are going to be joining us yet because I fear they will make uh, hames of the stage if they come on stage. But sure look, we'll, we'll see close to the time whether Bruno and Millie are actually joining us. But yeah, we're recording on stage live on Sunday the 1st of May and that's going to actually be one of our like first live recordings that we've done in quite a while and our first like in-person recording. So just putting it out there if I happen to, happen to be like a uh, like carrying a hip flask of uh, something to calm my nerves well look I won't be drinking on stage anyway uh, let's see so yeah for all information on Pops in the Park check out Pops in the Park underscore on Instagram and for the full lineup and information on everything that's going on visit popsinthepark.ie so you can if you want any more information message them on Instagram too or Give him an email, you'll find the contact form at pupsinapark.ie as well. 
And now back to this week. And we love talking about like donkey behavior and uh, behavioral issues on this show. And again, we're back once again today to talk about all things dog training. And to do that, we're welcoming a trainer who has not been on with us before. Someone that we've been hoping to go on now for the bones of six to eight months, I suppose. And that is Mac. Uh, with fast funding up to $10,000 available through net credit, our online application process was designed to get the money you need quickly if approved. You can borrow an amount that meets your needs and repay in a way that works for your financial situation. And we report on-time payments to credit bureaus, so you can build credit history as you repay. See what net credit can do for you today. Check your eligibility without affecting your credit score at netcredit.com. All net credit loans and lines of credit are offered by a member of the net credit family of companies or one of our lending partners. Visit netcredit.com slash partners for more information. From Good Boy Dog Training in Dunleary. And Mac, a very big welcome to the Big Back. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. And this is a long time in the making. I think you emailed me, uh, well, maybe, what, six months ago, was it? Definitely, yeah. Um, I suppose we kind of went off air in October for a couple of months. I was okay. in college myself, so just trying to juggle everything was a bit hard. Uh, Mac, give us a bit of background for people who might not have heard of you. Give a bit of background uh, on yourself. Sure. So uh, my name is Mac uh, Miramadi. I am a dog trainer. I'm based in, in uh, Dunleary. I've had my business now, um, not actually that long. My business has been going for about, coming up to three years. Um, and it's kind of evolved uh more rapidly than I than I could ever imagine, I suppose, with the um, unfortunate help of COVID, it seemed to to excel it. And I kind of got into dogs when I was quite young, and my my parents were big into horses and all that kind of thing. So animals were were always around. And when I was younger, and it was dogs. You know, I was uh, memorizing every. I remember I had a book. I've said this before to somebody I had a book um, of different breeds and I memorized every single breed in that when I was like 14 or 15. <laughs> and um, yeah, it definitely wasn't a, uh, a specific career choice. It just kind of evolved this way. Um, but it's it's been going well. Brilliant. And like I said, you've had your, you've been in business now about three years, you say. So like that would be just like, just before COVID nearly. What was it like going through COVID just after starting up a new dog training business. Did you find it hard initially or? Yeah, it was, it was strange. So I'd been doing it a good bit before COVID and, but I really like set up like my social media and, and, and my, my everything else, like the kind of social uh, aspect of the business and a few months before COVID and, but, but the actual training and working with people have been, been a good bit before that. And so, yeah, it was weird, you know, cause all of a sudden, and once I started going online and obviously you get a lot more exposure online than, than what you would word of mouth. And, and so I was getting busy, which was great. And then all of a sudden COVID came and I had like, I was booked, I was kind of booked months in advance. And obviously at the time, nobody knew what, what, what this thing was, and so everything stopped and um, I ended up doing all my sessions online, which actually, you know, weirdly was, I actually enjoyed it. I, I didn't enjoy it more than being hands, hands on with, with clients and whatnot, but I think you got 
a different um, perspective from people online. You know, there maybe wasn't as much pressure and you really got to like sit down and have a, have a deep discussion about say the dog's behavior and why they're doing certain things and figure out where they're at, you know? So it was a, it was a different, um, definitely a different perspective from, from the client point of view, if that makes sense. Um, and then also the thing that I just had to turn to was just like, people still had dogs and obviously people were getting dogs. So I was like, I'm just going to post content to try and help people on, on Instagram and that kind of thing. So, and it all very much went online very quickly <laughs> and stayed that way for a long time. Yeah. Like, like myself, I suppose the last time I've actually done, I suppose a face to face, uh, interview would be just well over two years ago. Now I'm still kind of doing everything online myself, but, Hopefully we'll be back to real face-to-face stuff soon enough. Like, Mac, as you were mentioning there about COVID, a lot of people did get dogs uh, during the start of the pandemic. And, like, I know we've definitely touched on this on the show before. I spoke with Tim Corby and Pep on about this. And it was almost like there was a puppy pandemic going on as well, where, like, so many people were getting pups. And do you find, I suppose what they didn't realise at the time was that a lot of people didn't realise they were going to be going back working to an office. And do you think people actually give any thought really of what would actually come and that's it? Yeah, you're spot on, man. Like, I think it's weird because it's a bit of a catch-22 because it's good that people are getting dogs, right? But but where they're getting the dogs from is really important, you know, And, and what genetics the dogs are coming with and, and all of this stuff and and it all plays into each other and i don't think people realized how much work it is and and i think it did turn into a bit of a vicious cycle because what you have is as if like ireland wasn't already um a, a kind of breed excuse me, a breeding ground for puppy farmers and it excelled hugely with covid and because the demand went through the roof and traditionally, if you're, say, let's say you're looking to get a puppy, right, and you want to get it very ethically, and you want to get it uh, from someone who's breeding for the right reasons, right? So someone who's not breeding um, for, for monetary reasons, but someone who's breeding to kind of better the health line or better the evolutionary of, of a certain breed, right? They're, they're, and th- those people are very important. And But it's not like you can just call up an excellent breeder and get a dog. There's a waiting list. There's an interview process. You could be waiting years. You know, I certainly know people that have waited two, three years for, for the right dog. I've waited a long time for my dog. And so it's what you got is a huge demand very quickly. So people were just getting whatever dog that, that they could, right? Which, which does have problems and that paired with maybe not getting the dog from the most ethical background. And then someone who doesn't maybe have that much understanding of dogs who've maybe never had dogs who gets it feels a bit out of their depth who can't get hands-on training because and restrictions right and so then they go back to the office then of course you're getting you are getting things like separation anxiety but that for for me or and anyway from the dogs that i've seen separation anxiety is kind of the least of least of the worries it's been a lot of aggression you know a lot of them resource guarding a lot of serious behavioral problems have come from from all of these uh different parts kind of being bundled into the one you know and so yeah it's 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 difficult and also 
I think for the most part, I think 99% of the population are, we're getting dogs for the right reason. And look, it is, it, unfortunately, it actually was probably a good time for people to get dogs because they did have time, whether it be COVID was six months or a year, they would have had the time to put into the dog, but it's all well and good having the time. But if you don't have the knowledge or, or the education on, on what to do with that dog, and it's the, the, you're not getting the benefit. Uh, and Mac, you mentioned the uh, the separation anxiety. There's also the lack of like for a lot of the pandemic. You look at like we were stuck with you know like two kilometers, five kilometers. You couldn't really get out and about and meet other people with dogs. There was all the social distancing. So there was that lack of socialization skills as well there for the dogs. Am I right? Yeah, I think so. But I also think like socialization as well. You're gonna put me on a tangent here because. Socialization as well, culturally, uh, in, in kind of more so the West, is our understanding of it is completely skewed, right? So I actually don't think that was that much of an issue um, because it, I think more problems come, for, anyway, from, from my experience, what I've seen, more problems come from over-socializing the dog than under-socializing the dog. Um, which might be a, a somewhat hot take. <laughs> Could you elaborate on a small bit, uh, Matt, for, uh, for, Matt, for some of our listeners who like sure. wouldn't be overly familiar with us? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, like, uh, and, and the reason I, I say this is because I've made this mistake with, with my own dogs in the past, whether it's been dogs I've had from rescues, puppies, whatever. So I think the traditional, when someone says socialization, what they think is like puppies playing together, dog parks, dogs playing together, dogs having a great time and, and, and all that stuff, right? And I think that is important, but too much of that is problematic in the long run, right? Because if you set your dog up, say, let's say you have a puppy, right? And the puppy goes to the dog park every let's say three four times a week or whatever and gets to meet every dog it sees right then you're setting your dog up for perhaps an unrealistic expectation of what life is yeah so you condition the dog to perceive every dog as either a best friend or something very valuable right so when the dog sees another dog the lights go off and he loses his mind and wants to go over run and play that has consequences because a not not every dog is friendly, you know, that can hugely inhibit your training because now you've set up um, circumstances where your dog maybe prefers other dogs than you, you know, so values other things in the environment than you, values other people more, and um, other dogs, that kind of thing. So all of these things can inhibit your training. So I think the best, like two 10-week-old puppies aren't going to learn anything from each other, right? So I'm not kind of coming from the hard, oh, never let your dog play with another dog. Absolutely. But what we need to, to remember is, is the need for, for a social group is important, right? So it's like people. So I'll have friends, family, I'll go to dinner with, go for a drink with, whatnot. I won't go up to a random person on the street and force them to come to dinner with me. Yeah. So where we get problems is when that line is skewed. So we have, so say, for example, what I always tell my clients is like, let's get a social group because we can't teach your dog to be a dog, right? So let's get dogs that can teach your puppy. Now, I know this isn't always possible, but if you have a friend or a family member with an older dog, you know, maybe let's say a nice 
seven, eight-year-old, really chilled lab or something like that, a dog like that is going to teach your 10-week-old puppy a hell of a lot more than another 10-week-old puppy. Yeah. So that's the kind of dogs I'd want to get my dog around. And yeah, it's very important in socialization and, and exposure. You have a critical period, which is up to about 15, 16 weeks. So that period is really important. But also that period is where fears and phobias are born. So if you you do go to the dog park within that period and you're entering a situation with a bunch of dogs that you don't know, and unfortunately touch wood, this never happens to anyone. But if your puppy does have a bad experience, that will stick with them unless you, you really try and counter condition and overcome it. Right. So the, the scope for, for things to go wrong are huge, whether you get a nice dog with good genetics as a puppy, chances are they'll turn out fine. You know, yeah, you expose them, you know, we, we can talk a bit more about the exposure thing as well, but you let them interact with some dogs, you know, your neighbors, your friends, your family. Sure. But then we want to make it all about you. Yeah, you want to make it all about me, 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 me. So when we go outside and there is a dog across the road, my dog isn't losing his mind to want to go say hi and play because that's a situation that the human has just completely created and that creates frustration. And with frustration comes reactivity. So what a nicer approach is, is we expose the dog, say, from a distance to a bunch of other dogs and we have values. So we have the dog's food, we play, and we have to play with the dog, we train them, we engage them, we have a great time. So the dog learns to kind of ignore dogs and, and find value through you. Now, again, similar situation to what I said earlier, you now go to the park and there's dogs in the corner, you're with your dog, well, they have no interest from in running away from you, yeah, because you've got the value, because you socialize them correctly. They haven't had bad experiences, they know how to play because you interact them with good dogs, and, and they're a, a social and, you know, kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Stable, sorry, like a social stable member of society. And so there, there's a lot, there's a lot there. That's brilliant, Mac. And Mac, talk to us a small bit about your own, your own training methods. Like, what would you describe your own training methods on a day-to-day basis to be? Sure. So I think it depends on the dog, right? So say one dog is going to prefer, um, so, so firstly, it's important to understand what the dog's purpose is and, and what the dog's purpose is, is to find reinforcement or to find reward and um, wherever they can, they can find that. So reward for the dog could be anything and not just something that we, we think it is. So it's whatever they perceive as reinforcing the dog will do it. So it's quite a beautifully selfish way to live. So for me, my whole thing um, is about motivation. And I use a clicker an awful lot, but I, I, I condition the clicker to very, very high and um, high arousal levels. So we get big, big kind of dopamine jackpots when we press the clicker. And I'm not, I don't fall under a camp of like force-free um, methodology. And I, I, I don't, but I also don't fall under the camp of like balanced training. And so it really depends um, on the dog. I do believe that um, there is a time and a place for, for a fair ethical and humane consequence for a dog. So long as you've laid out and um, so long as you've laid out the foundation and the dog knows what's, what's expected and knows why something is happening. I think with certain dogs learning, no, sorry, not learning, but benefiting from the full picture and creates a lot more clarity and can be less stressful for the, for the dog and then kind of 
only helping them when they get something right. And but I, to be honest, Dara, I I don't like grouping, labeling, and um, in that context. And uh, I just don't think there's one size fits all. I think everything is taught through through reward, and everything is motivation. So the first thing I'm always doing is is teaching people about the clicker and creating motivation and creating obedience. I have a real passion. For, for kind of high level obedience and, and working dogs and things. So I just want to create the, the relationship with the owner, the relationship with the dog, so that not so that, you know, the, the person's angry at the dog or any of this, or they end up presenting it so that they have a real relationship and, and a relationship that's based on value and trust and none of this kind of nonsense about alpha pack, any of that kind of crap but one that's just based off that the dog does not want to leave the owner. <laughs> because I think if you have that and, and how that's built is just through motivation, right? It's through playing, it's through training. And, and if you have that and have that foundation, it's very easy to teach things quickly, especially if you, if you, if the dog knows how to learn, right? So this is another thing. A lot of dogs don't know how to learn. And so with the clicker, I would do a lot of what's called free shaping and which I'm not, I'm not sure how familiar people are with that. And, but it's essentially like the dog version of kind of, you know, if you play when you're a kid, like hot or cold, you know, like hot, 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 but there's no, there's no cold. There's just hot. So you kind of let the dog figure out the behavior and with, with your clicker or your marker or whatever that might be. And so it teaches the dog how to learn. And, and once the dog kind of understands that, like I said, you can, you can teach everything quite quickly, but I think it is, it is, I think with training a dog, is, is cheesy as it sounds it is a lifestyle thing it's about how you raise them in that critical period we talked about how they perceive the world how much fun you have like i i can bet if i go to any given context with my dogs like no matter what's going around they, they won't want to leave my side you know like there's nothing better than what we could be doing because because again the dog's purpose is, re- is finding that reward so they know in my pocket is either a food or their toy, right? So, so the expectation of reward is huge. So, there's nothing outside of our circumference, and that could that could be more motivating. Now, of course, I let them go run around and be dogs and all, explore and all that stuff. But, but things like recall is, is is never an issue because, again, of that expectation of reward. That's excellent, there, Mac. Mac, we often get questions in here on the big bark, and like we're not. Uh, training professionals ourselves here. But we often get questions in uh, from different dog owners. Um, we got one in this week, actually, and I might actually put this to you if it's okay. Yeah. Uh, because sure. I think it definitely kind of fits right up your alley. And it came in from John over on our Instagram page. And John asked, he said, his dog has terrible recall. And what can he do to actually improve his dog's recall? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's probably in terms of, like, training issues not behaviorally but training i think it's probably the most common you know and the dog runs over to their dogs or kids or people and we're just yelling at them to get back and then when the dog does come back we say bold (laughs) so uh yeah i think the i think the thing what needs to be laid out for recall right is is you need a few pillars in place i think there needs to be motivation and because motivation is what drives everything right so and the motivation to chase, let's say, a sheep, <laughs> the motivation to chase a dog, to chase a ball, to chase a squirrel, whatever. That's all motivation, right? So there needs to be sufficient motivation to come back to the owner and and 
the dog must know when they're correct. So I think the pillars that need to be in place, I think the dog needs a marker, right? Either a yes or a clicker and a marker. And um, for, for anybody that doesn't know, is just a conditioned sound that tells the dog when they've done something correct. So with a clicker, click feed and um, is the most basic kind of uh, conditioning process of that. So for me, when I start with, with, with recall, I first teach the clicker. So anytime the dog hears that click, they know they're getting paid. So we make the dog kind of crazy for that clicker. So we click, we run back and we give big, big rewards. And so big handfuls of the dog's food. So I would start there just building a lot of drive for the food and with the clicker. So every time that you click, the dog runs to you. And so you want to get that at the point where if the dog's asleep in your house, you click and they'll get up. And, and run to you and not to, not that you want to be tormenting your dog that way but that's the kind of level we want and then what we want to do is another pillar to this is the dog needs to know the command so if it's come or here so i always say the dog's name and then the command so let's say i don't know uh harvey come right so we now have our clicker this condition so now we need to condition the command and teach what it is so the dog needs to understand and um, what, what these words or sounds mean so I'll throw a piece of food away from me to get the dog away from me. And I'll do this in the garden or in the kitchen even. And when the dog runs away from me and gets a piece of kibble or whatever, I'll say the command, Harvey, come. He comes. The second he turns around, I'll click and I'll feed him. And I'll repeat that. So I'll throw food away. Harvey, come. Click, feed. And I'll just repeat this just in the house in the garden. And I won't ever really call the dog outside for the first. Again, depends on the edge of the dog. But when, when I'm practicing this, I won't bring it outside yet until... Again, I know he's responding to the clicker and he knows, and I know he knows what come means. Then the next step is practicing it. Like all obedience is bringing it to the environment because obedience um, is context dependent. So sit in the kitchen is, is very different from sit on Grafton street. Right. So I would then take the dog to very, maybe a quiet part of the park, not over, overstimulate him. And he'd be on a long line. And, and so he'd be on maybe like a, a 20 foot lead. And um, I just play with them. I just play tug, play fetch, and just have a good time, you know? And then uh, occasionally, once or twice, I might say Harvey come and, and, and click and pay him. Um, but the main, the three things, just to, to wrap up on this kind of elaborate way of teaching recall. Sorry, you, you're come to find out there's no one word answers. <laughs> and uh, the, the things I'd have in place is I'd have a marker, I'd have a command, I'd have a long lead. And then I'd, I'd play. I can't stress enough how important play is. Back to what we said earlier, if you play with the dog, you will transform the relationship. How many times you go to the park, you look, all the dogs are all playing with each other and everyone's standing there taking pictures on their phone. You should come back from the park sweating, you know? <laughs> come back sweating. So then when you call your dog, there isn't a situation where he doesn't come because the chance of the payoff is so great. And that's why you need the clicker as well to tell him that there is a payment. Is that hopefully makes sense that's very good advice there mac and mac i'm just gonna put one other one to you it's actually i was chatting with another dog owner not so long ago there and their own dog is when someone comes to the house the dog is very protective uh very uh, very like much barking not not no fear about you know anything but it's like it's his he sees it as his territory from what i can tell and but yeah when he's on about like out meeting people that this girl would know like he's very friendly he's complete opposite so why is it that he's like that at home is it just a territorial thing 
Yeah, it could be. Uh, yeah, it could be. You know, it could be um, some kind of insecurity as well. And it could be, you know, the owners might have unknowingly uh, reinforced it. You know, if like a lot of times, like you have what, you, what we call kind of like, well, we're, I haven't coined this, another, another dog trainer, like, said this, and postman syndrome, where like the postman comes up to the door, dog woof, 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 postman puts a letter in the letterbox and walks away. The dog thinks it's made the postman walk away. You know, he doesn't understand, he's just dropping off a letter. So he just sees a man come. He barks and sees a man walk away. So it gets reinforced. So a lot of those behaviors, they're very difficult because one, because it's, it's normal. Dogs are territory, territorial. And, and two, it works. It, 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 it constantly gets reinforced. It, it's the same with like fear reactivity or whatever, fear aggression. Dog walking down the road, kicks off. Dog cross the street, keeps walking. That d- dog A thinks he's making that dog keep walking. He, he doesn't have the the logic to understand that that's just another dog out for a walk with his owner. And so why he's doing that, it's hard to say without seeing it and could be territorial, could be insecurity and could be reinforced. Sometimes you, you just don't know without really knowing the dog, you know? So sorry, that's a bit of a, not, not the best answer. Sure, look, I suppose like without seeing the situation for yourself, a, it's very hard to judge as well. Yeah, it is. Like I'm a lot of people will ask me for advice um, or tips and stuff and on, on online and I tend not to because um I'm you're guessing without seeing a dog. You know, you really are like training. Dog training isn't then um, as it, it's quite boring and in like it's just a lot of repetition and and not much can be fixed very quickly and it's a process. And like anything learning, you can't play guitar overnight. Like the dog is learning to deal with a different set of circumstances or something else. So these things take time. And so I I kind of refrain from giving like obviously basic tips and stuff. I have no problem. But when it gets to severe behavior, behaviors like like reactivity or resource guarding and that kind of thing. And they're it's so individual dependent and, and the circumstances and context in which the dog lives in and the relationship there's just so many variables at play you know it's really hard to say oh just do this and it's fixed yeah that's uh that's a very fair point uh listen mac uh that's all the time we have today so thank you ever so much for joining me on the big bark delight to have you on and like i said it's been a long time coming so delighted we got there at last yeah it's great thanks man enjoyed it no problem Ron. thanks again mac and that's all for this week uh we will be back next week with our brand new format of the show we're changing things up a few up a good bit now we're going to be adding different segments going forward so let me just give you an idea what we have we're going to have a training segment which is called clever canines we will have our health hub which will be our health and better voice Furry Feeding, which will be our pet nutrition advice, and that will be from one of the leading uh, pet nutritionists in Ireland. Going forward, uh, we will be, as always, bringing you the biggest news from the canine world. We didn't really have much news to report today, other than chat away about pups in the park, which is the biggest news that's coming up in Ireland over the next few weeks. Uh, let's see, we will have our segment called Your New Best Bud, which is Doggies Looking for the Forever Home. We will have Dogs of the Week, where we'll be picking a different doggy each week from social media to talk about and like give them their little moment in the spotlight. 
Uh, we will have our big bag shout out to your birthday your dog coming back. There will be regular competitions coming. And we have a new section which is kind of like agony and or like I don't know what in God's name I'm going to call this. It is a new section where we will be taking texts or WhatsApp messages from our followers who want to ask questions to different professionals and we'll put your questions like we did with Mac there today uh, to different professionals. So if you want to chat to a vet, we will post your questions to one of our regular vet guests. If you want to chat about dog training issue, your dog uh, misbehaving, uh, your dog's food, anything you want to ask about, we will pour it to our professionals for you. So that is a new segment that's coming soon. I will release all the details on that uh, once I have the WhatsApp businessy stuff sorted out. I have no idea how to do that. I'm, I work in tech, but I'm a bit of a technological idiot at times where like I can't keep up with today's tech. If you ask me what TikTok is, I wouldn't have the foggiest lads. Anyway. It's that time of the show where I am rambling on a bit, as per usual. So, I'm going to leave you off of that. Uh, remember to follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. We are on TikTok, but I don't use it, as I said, because I have a clue. And I think it's kind of all teeny poppers and all that on that. Not really sure, to be honest. Uh, be sure to check out the episode each week on Spotify iTunes, if you've loved this episode, be sure to rate us. You can do that now on Spotify as well. Haven't figured out how to do that myself on any of the podcasts I listen to. I think you have to listen to three or four episodes. But any episodes you listen to, be sure to give us a five-star rating if you liked it on Spotify or on iTunes. And you can listen to us as well on our website. Find out all the information that you need to know on the bigback.ie. Thanks again, guys, and listen, wishing you and your puppies a fantastic week ahead. And keep entering our competition on Instagram, the Big Bad Podcast, giving away tickets for you and three friends uh, for Pups in the Park. And we are looking forward to that in a couple of weeks where we will be meeting all of our favourite, favourite doggy, doggy people and all the doggy owners around Ireland. Uh, okay, got to stop off then. Have a good week. All the best. Good luck. The Big Bark Listen Up Dog Owners is for you, all you canine lovers. It's your favorite podcast, The Big Bark, with your host, Dara Burke, and canine co-hosts, Bruno and Millie. The Big Bark.